Good to see the family here this morning. For those of you that are listening in, uh, good morning to you guys also. Um, question is, how great is our God? You know, we really don't know the answer to that, do we? He's constantly doing things that amaze us. But things are just so easy for him. Uh, we want to release the children now for Children's Church for each of you kiddos. Uh, you can go back to your classroom. So um, we're in the second chapter of uh, Jonah today, uh, and uh, this is his prayer today. So God just wants to join us this morning in uh, the real grace and mercy that he showed uh, to Jonah, and he has shown to each one of us. So before we get started, would you pray with me and pray for me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we join you this morning. In your presence, we ask that you open our hearts and our minds, Father, to the message that you would deliver to us collectively as the body and to each of us individually, Father, that we may leave from this place changed, closer to you. Father, I ask that you remove me from the equation that would be your message, Father, and you would continue to bless us and watch over us. We pray all these things in your son's precious name. Amen. <clears throat> so the, the focus, and I know Pastor Zeke and Pastor Mark have alluded to this, you know, the focus of Jonah is this big fish. Uh, and that's not really it at all. In fact, uh, Tony Evans and several pastors uh, have written in books and talked about how this fish thing is really no big deal. In fact, there's a story uh, that in 1891 off the Falkland Islands, there was two fishing boats that were out uh, whale hunting. And they came across this huge sperm whale. And the first boat harpooned it. And the second boat went around to get to the other side of the whale. And that second boat was going around. The whale's tail hit that boat and flipped it. And the two guys that were in that boat, one of them drowned. And one of them they couldn't find. And the whale got away. Two days later, or on the third day, they were out whale fishing again, two other boats. And they see this whale, because this whale has a harpoon in it. And they harpoon it, and they kill it, and they drag it ashore. And they slit this whale open. Inside that whale was that second sailor. He was unconscious, but he was still alive. And after care, he resumed his life. So this Jonah and the fish story is not far-fetched because it has truly happened before. Similar things have happened like that. You know, we read the Bible and we read about things that people go through and how many of us have thought just for a moment, you know what, that's what I'm going through right now. We've all admitted at some point in time we've been like Peter and that we have denied Christ or we have ignored Christ. And I profess to you today we've all been like Jonah also, that we've walked away from God, we've ran from God, even though we can't run from God, we've tried. And so to me the miracle here in this story is the obedience of the fish. It swallowed Jonah, 
and on God's command, it spit him out. So as we go through the second chapter this morning, I want you to realize that what we see as a miracle or a far-fetched story is just God working with his people and granting grace and mercy to his people that just really don't deserve it. But he loves us that much. So open your Bibles as though they depend upon it because they truly do and turn to the second chapter of Jonah. I'm going to read all 10 verses and then we'll break it down as we go through the rest of the morning. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and the Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the depth of the, of the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me, and I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates lock and shut forever. But you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. My life was slipping away. I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all of God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifice to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill my vow. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Jonah offered a prayer of thanksgiving and a cry of deliverance from the belly of this fish. God saved him from the raging sea, and Jonah was overwhelmed that he had escaped certain death. Even from inside the fish, Jonah's prayer was heard from God. You know, we know that we can pray anywhere, anytime, and God will hear us. In the belly of the fish, Jonah was ready to submit to God's will and his purpose for his life. His hard-hearted, his hard heart had been humbled by God's mercy toward him. Like Jonah, people of Nineveh didn't deserve to receive God's grace, but God loved them just as much. And if God can love a cruel people and a rebel that wants to run from him, know that God has grace for you. Regardless of the predicament you're in, regardless of how far you've tried to run from God, his love and grace is there to reach out and to touch you. Jonah said, and my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. How often do we act the same way? We try this, we try that, we rely on ourselves, we rely on someone else, and finally we realize that none of that is working. And we cry out to God. Because we've lost hope, everything else has failed, and so now we're going to turn to him, when in reality we should have turned to him first. This kind of life can 
result in inconsistency and up-and-down relationships with God. The consistent daily commitment to God promotes a solid relationship with him. Remembering God implies more than recalling him or recounting things that have happened. It means respecting God's authority. It means respecting that authority deeply and surrendering your hearts to him on a daily basis. And when we surrender to him, we don't surrender halfway. We surrender completely. Honor and follow God during the good times and the bad times. The good times, so often we, it seems that we really don't need God because everything's going fine. I'm doing well. But God is at work all the time. In verse 2, Jonah compared his situation in the belly of the fish to being in the land of the dead. We have all had similar situations where we have felt hopeless and felt that there was no way out. In verse 8, we hear that those who worship false gods deceive themselves with pursuits that are ultimately empty and foolish. How often have we compromised our lives to pursue a promotion or pursue something on this earth that we feel is really, really important? something that we think is going to make a huge difference in our lives. So we need to make sure that nothing takes God's rightful place and that nothing keeps us from his purpose. In the next verse, Jonah was not in a position to bargain with God. Instead, he simply thanked God for saving his life. Our troubles should not cause us to walk away from God. Our troubles should cause us to cling tightly to God. We shouldn't try to bargain with God. I know I may be the only one in the room that's trying to cut a deal with God. God, if you'll do this, I'm sure it's going to be okay. When God speaks to us, we must act on his words. And we'll talk a little bit more about his words here in just a minute, but we should do it without complaining. We should do it without negotiating. Because his will is always best for us. Several years ago, there was a movie that came out. It was called The End. And Burt Reynolds was in it. And it was a story of a man who was at the end of his rope. Uh, He had no reason to live. He was going through a divorce. He was losing a daughter that he just really loved. So the movie opens up with him sitting at his coffee table with just a, a ton of pills sitting there, all different colors. And he's going to take these pills and take his life. He's feeling sorry for himself. He grabs a handful of of the pills and he puts them in his mouth. He takes, he's got a quart of milk sitting there and he takes the milk and he begins to drink it and he spits it all out and he says, oh my gosh, the milk is sour. That could have made me sick. As the movie goes on, he tries several different ways to end his life. And Dom DeLuise is in this movie, so he hires Dom DeLuise to kill him. The movie goes on with a lot of humor and everything, and at the very end, Burt Reynolds has given up again, and he's walked to a beach, and he's decided, I'm just going to walk out here and drown. 
And he's walking out there, he's remembering the good things that have happened in his life and the blessings that he really has, and he starts to talk to God. And well, now he's up to his neck in the water. He says, I tell you what, God, if you'll get me back to the shore, I'll give you 100% of everything I make. As he got closer, he said, God, if you just continue to get me closer, I'll give you 80% of everything I make. As he got waist deep, he said, God, I'm going to give you half of everything I make. As he got on the shore, he said, God, I'm going to give the best I can of everything I make to you. The other end of the beach comes Dom DeLuise with a knife running at him to kill him. And the movie ends with him, with Burt Reynolds running, saying, God, if you get this guy away from you, I'll give you 100% of everything I make. We can't cut deals with God. We just need to be obedient to God. You know, it took a miracle of deliverance to get Jonah to do what God had commanded. You see, God commands us to do things. He doesn't say, hey, by the way, if you have a minute, could you do this? He doesn't make suggestions. His will is to be done, and we need to listen to his command and obey his word. Jonah was obligated as a prophet to obey what God had told him to do. But he tried to escape his responsibilities. Finally, he pledged to fulfill his vows. And Jonah's story began with a tragedy, but a greater tragedy would have been if God would just ignore Jonah and goes, yeah, you know what, go ahead. But he loved him more than that. When we know God wants us to do something, don't run. You're not going to get away from him. God may stop you just the way he did with Jonah. I'm sure that's an unpleasant trip. The obedient hero here, though, as I said earlier, is the fish. Can you imagine this poor, this poor sperm whale that's going to lose his life? God goes, swallow this guy. Now spit him out. And he does exactly what God asked him to do. There's an unusual tribal custom among some American Indian tribes that used to go on. When a young man would hit the age of 13, they would blindfold him and take him into the woods miles away from where they lived. This would be the first time this young man had been away from his family and been away from his tribe, the protection of his family and tribe. And they took him so deep into the forest that when he took his blindfold off, it was so dark he couldn't see anything. Not even the light of the moon shone through. And so when there would be sounds of a twig breaking, I'm sure it scared him. When there would be a howling of an animal, I'm sure that he imagined a wolf about to attack him. Or when the wind would blow, he would probably wonder what sound is that wind covering up right now. So no doubt it was a very terrifying night for these young men. After probably what seemed to be an eternity, the sun began to come up and the light began to show there in the, in the forest. And he could see the trees and he could see the flowers and he could see the outline of a path. And he began to walk toward that path and not too far from the path as he got close to it, he saw the figure of a man standing there an Indian with a bow and arrow. It was his father. He stayed all night to make sure nothing happened to that young man. 
Jesus tells us, I will not forsake you, and I will not leave you. And we need to hang our hat on that. But my question is, do you truly lead, lead your life as though he is with you right now? Or do we walk away from him during good times and think, you know, I'm, I'm doing fine. We have those situations where it, everything seems to be okay. I really don't need to talk to God today. I'm doing okay. As with Jonah, we need to periodically truly examine our spiritual passion to see how close we truly are with God. We need to remember that God is willing to do whatever it takes to awaken our hearts, and sometimes that can be painful and it can be scary. After we re-examine ourselves, we need to passionately, obediently, and completely return to God and take the next step as we return to his purpose and to his will. Jesus in Matthew 12, 40 referred to the length of Jonah's time in the fish as he was teaching about the resurrection. You see, Jonah needed three days to empty his sinful heart. When he was ready, God told his ride where to drop him off. The ride in the fish was Jonah's sanctuary. The sanctuary can be anything. It can be a cathedral. It can be an auditorium. It can be a parking lot. It can be a stadium. It can be a closet. It can be the belly of a fish. When you encounter God in those kind of situations, he has your full attention. And you'll never be the same after that. You see, God stripped away Jonah's pride and prejudice. He removed all of Jonah's distractions in the belly of the whale. He got alone with God and God's voice. And suddenly, all those other voices were faint sounds. Often, if you've ever done prison ministry, some guys in prison struggle with, why am I here? Be well honest with them. God may need to finally get their attention. And he has it there. And if you've ever done prison ministry, you see the amazing results that God has. And mercy and grace and forgiveness and you see some young men, some older men, doing Bible study, knowing that they'll never get out of those walls where they are, but they are following the Lord. So my question is, when is the last time you've been truly alone with God? When is the last time you were alone with him and his word? You see, God speaks loudly through his word which is why we should keep it in our hearts. I want to look at a few references that Jonah makes during his prayer that shows us that he had God's word in his heart. In verse 4, we read, I have been banished. Jonah's making reference to Psalm 31:22, where it reads, In a panic I cried out, I am cut off from the Lord, but you heard my cry for mercy and answered my call for help. In verse 5, we read, The waters engulf me up to my neck. A reference to Psalm 69.1, Save me, O God, for the flood waters are up to my neck. And in verse 7, My life is fading away. 
a reference to the 147th Psalm, the third verse. He heals the brokenhearted and bandages, bandages their wounds. In verse 7, to your holy temple. Reference to Psalms 18.6, but in my distress I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. And in verse 8, we wor- those that wor- worship worthless idols, which means empty nothings or false gods, the reference of Psalm 31.6, I hate those who worship worthless idols. I trust the Lord. And then in verse 9, salvation is from the Lord. It's a reference of Psalms 3.8. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. So he is constantly in his prayer referring to the word that is on his heart. We see Jesus do that. We see so many prophets. We see Paul do that. They go back to the words that they learned in younger days, back to what was written in the Old Testament. And they see that God is at work and God is true to his word and his promises. So God guides us through our thoughts by his thoughts. So you can ask, well, what is a word? Well, the definition, it's a physical representation of a thought. But God's word is a physical representation of his thoughts on our level in a language that we can understand. Jonah's thoughts were not in line with God's thoughts. The word of God guided him to understand and to acknowledge God's thoughts about him. That's why we study. That's why we pray on God's word. So that during difficult times, God will bring those back to us. And we will remember that he is with us. And that his promises are true. You know, maybe we should look at God's word the same way this Woodsman in northern Michigan looked at his compass. He's in a very thick woods, but he knows where he's going. He knows the way home. It is getting dark, and so he's headed in the correct direction. Just to double-check it, he looks at his compass, and his compass tells him he is headed west, when in reality he believes he's headed east. And he's so frustrated that he has thoughts of just throwing the compass. It's got to be broken. It's got to be wrong. But then he realizes this compass has never been wrong before. And he begins to go in the direction of the compass, and he makes it home safely. How often are we so very sure of ourselves as to where we're going? And God puts that little message in our heart, and we go, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm going in the right direction. How often have people, God's people, thrown their compass, the Bible, just thrown it away because we're that confident in our own ability? Far too many toss his word aside. But yet the reality is millions upon millions upon millions have that eternal life because they strictly followed God's word. You know, Jonah is praying from firsthand experience. He had walked away from the word of the Lord and followed his own empty reasoning. He was basically lying to himself. He was, in van- he was just so self-centered and so right 
about the people from Nineveh. They don't deserve God's grace. They don't deserve God's mercy. And I'm sure God would go, hey, you're right, uh, but we want to give it to them anyway. We can't forsake God's mercy toward us because we want to pass judgment on somebody else. Jonah saw things differently in the darkness of the whale. Possibly he saw his own death. And God loved Jonah so much just as he loved those in Nineveh. And repentance is the key to deliverance from the pits of a life that is not going well. It's a good choice when we find ourselves in the pits that we turn to God and his word. God gives us second chances. We've said that now for three Sundays. Actually, God gives us more than second chances. God gives us second and third, and for some of us, we're probably in triple digits now. We should remember the prodigal son story, for this is the way God is. When we repent and return home, he has his arms open, wanting to love on us, grant us mercy and grace. And the heavens rejoice for that one lost sheep that returns home. When you come to a place where God has your attention and you know that you have no other way to turn, what might you say to him? Might you offer excuses? Might you play the blame game? Notice Jonah's response in verses 3 and 4. You threw me into the depths, and I have been banished from your sight. Notice the words you and your. Jonah is making the connection between his disobedience and God's correction. Furthermore, he holds no blame toward God. It's his fault. He finds himself guilty, and he recognized God's hand at work. In verse 4, yet... I will look once more toward your holy temple. This is a great example of backsliding. When you take your eyes off of God, when you lose focus of God's working in your life, you're lost. He turned his eyes back toward God in verse 6. He says, but, I raised, but you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. He confessed. Jonah offers his thanks and faith, and he offers them before he had actually experienced deliverance. He believed now that God has kept him alive for a purpose. And in verse 9, he says, I will fully, I will fulfill my vows. Repentance without obedience results in failure. True repentance requires change. There was a man that would come just about every Sunday and would rededicate his life to Christ. And his prayer was always the same. He said, Lord, remove the cobwebs from my life. And one day the pastor was standing close to him, and as he said that prayer, remove the cobwebs from my life, the pastor knelt down and whispered these words, and Lord, kill the spiders. The, redeemer, the redeemed follower of Christ can always find safety by taking refuge in the shadow of the Almighty, who promised to protect and provide for his blood-bought people. Amidst our varying struggles and experiences and the changes in life, 
We should look by faith upon our once suffering and dying, but now risen and ascended Redeemer. Let us consider Christ's resurrection and be thankful to receive our spiritual deliverance as a pledge and a promise from our eternal God. God extends salvation to those he wishes, and he wishes each and every one of us would repent and be saved. There's an Eastern tradition with shepherds that when their sheep are coming back to the fold each night, they stand at the door and they touch and count each sheep. They touch each sheep on the head as they count them. As he places his hand on each one, the sheep know that they're back in the fold. If we're experiencing the touch of Jesus in our daily lives, we would recognize that touch. And more importantly, in times of trouble, we would recognize his voice when he warns us of danger. This means we must practice the daily presence of God in our lives. Our Lord waits for the moment to touch you each and every day. Person, if you guys want to come back up. I want to wrap up here with some things. So what do we hear about Jonah today? Jonah was a prophet. And he had a better idea than God. He believed he knew how these people needed to be treated in Nineveh. And he not just ignored God, but he ran from God. He failed at getting away, as we all will. And God loved Jonah and Nineveh enough to not give up on either one of them. God's will, whether we agree with it or whether we understand it, will prevail. Jonah was in a place in that belly of the fish where he became close to God and God had his full attention. And in thankful repentance, Jonah relied on God's word to bring him back to where God is and where he belonged. We should be like Jeremiah that when God speaks, we listen the first time and we get it right. Whether we want to admit it or not, we've all had that struggle of being obedient to God. I shared with the youth this past Wednesday a story of part of the story of God's calling me into the ministry. And on a, a mission trip to Belize, uh, we were sitting after we'd worked on the, the house, and we were now with the kiddos. The school was out, and we were playing games with them, and we were just sitting and visiting. And these kids were the group that I had were 10-year-olds, and Tyler, our youngest, was 10 at the time, and Tyler was sitting to my left, and there was a young man sitting to my right, and his name was Christian, and of course his name had to be Christian. And on the other side of him was one of the other men that was there on the mission trip, and this was one of the guys that had said, you ever think about becoming a pastor? And I would tell Chris, you ever think about minding your own business, Chris? I'm doing fine where I am. I don't think I'm going to be a pastor. So Christian asked the question, what do you do in Texas? And I said, Christian, what do you think I do in Texas? And Christian actually thought about the answer. You know, you would expect a 10-year-old to go, oh, no clue, that's why I'm asking you. As he looked off into space for what seemed like several seconds, he turned and he looked at me and he said, you're a pastor. And I laughed. I said, no, I'm a police officer. And he said, I'm not a pastor. The response from Christian was so, so like God. He's still looking at me. 
He shrugs his shoulders and says, whatever. It's like God going, you know what? That's fine. You're not going to win. Oh, I praise God that I didn't end up in the belly of a fish. But he did have to get my attention. You see, for big assignments, God needs a big character. And God's going to build your character the closer you get to him. God sees us and sees our life from an eternal perspective. Not from the moment or the circumstances you're in, but from an eternal perspective. So may this week, may you open your heart to what God's saying to you. May you get in that quiet place where you can listen to him. Don't take those complaints to him. He already knows those. Just listen to him. We can ask why questions. But I think more importantly, God deals better with what question? God, what are you doing now? What is it that I can help you with? Where do I need to be, God, for you? So may God give you those opportunities this week. Mm -hmm.